London. I was working in a very sort of engineering heavy industry and, um, you know, being a young woman in my 20s, being the only woman often in the room, there was a lot of sort of unwanted um, attention that would come from that. That's not really been the challenge these days anymore. Hi, good afternoon everyone and welcome to another episode of Two Penceworth. This is a series where we hear about the stories and successes, sometimes the challenges, but most importantly, the advice of female founders in climate tech. I got the inspiration to do this series when I heard a stat earlier on this year that in 2022, for every one pound of VC money that was invested, less than two pence went to companies with female founding teams. So I wanted to try and do my part to champion the incredible work that's being done out there by women in climate, to shine a light on their innovations, their journeys, address their challenges where there have been some, and share the resources and the tips that you can all then go on to use in your professional life. I know I've actually already been using some of the tips that have come up in some of the previous episodes, and um, I bought a book recently that was recommended to me by Josephine Bromley um, week before last, which I am thoroughly enjoying. So if you've missed any of our previous episodes, we've had some incredible stories from some great women in climate. Go and check those out, either in video form on the Above and Beyond Recruitment YouTube channel or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And today we are joined by Mariana Herald of Naturebound. Mariana has around 20 years experience of working in sustainability, focusing largely on sustainable supply chains, looking at minimising waste, circularity and carbon disclosure for huge companies like Tesco's, Cadbury's and BT, as well as for one of the largest grocery chains in Africa. And throughout this, she travelled from London to Cape Town, wild camping in a land cruiser. I cannot wait to hear about that, by the way, (laughs) Um, has co-hosted a mental health podcast um, and also um, run a business, a healthy treat business for families before launching Naturebound as part of the Carbon 13 Venture Builder at the end of last year. Naturebound is an observability, I'm never going to be able to say that, observability (laughs) platform which helps farmers to leverage their biodiversity data. So they integrate agricultural and biodiversity data from a huge range of different providers and then use machine learning models to help farmers to transition to more sustainable farming methods whilst also optimising their yield. So I'm really excited to hear all about Mariana's journey, especially that bit about the uh, the, <laughs> the travel. Um, but so thank you so much for joining me today. Um, my pleasure, my pleasure. And that's great. I wasn't expecting to be talking about the overland travel, but yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> I think it sounds fascinating. Um, so we always start off, um, Mariana, by kind of looking at looking at what you're doing now, right? So before we go back and, and, and discuss too much of the journey and your experience to today, I like to start off by putting a real kind of spotlight on what you're working on today, nature bound, the platform, um, and, and yeah, just sing, singing the praises, really, of, of what you're currently working on. So if you're happy to share with us a little bit more detail about that, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was a really great summary and intro. Thank you so much. Um, I don't even have all that much to add to that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, we, uh, we registered Naturebound as a company in December 2022. We got some funding from Carbon13 in January uh, to help myself and my co-founder, Giddy, uh, kick it off. Um, so we've been going for about six months. And um, what we're working on at the moment is um, working on a demo version of our software platform and getting some users to test that. Um, And that's kind of a a big chunk of the work that I'm doing at the moment um, is is finding those people and hearing what their feedback is on what we're trying to build. 
Um, we're also starting work with some farmers to actually look at what does this look like on the ground? What are their sort of needs and concerns around this type of data? And then obviously everybody's dreaded element, fundraising. Um, so, uh, <laughs> this is a welcome break from a day of writing grants. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then talking to investors is uh, a big uh, big portion of what I'm involved with at the moment. Perfect, cool. And, and talk us through, so you mentioned there that you were founded through the Carbon 13. I, I sort of mentioned that in the intro and we've had a, a couple of founders from through the program join us in previous episodes. Um, but are you happy to kind of share a little bit about your experience of, of going through that program? How did you find out about it? What was your experience going through and, and meeting your co-founder Giddy as part of that and, and, and kind of getting this idea off, off the ground? Yeah, sure. So um, what I was doing before this was I had a kid snacking business, so which was kind of not related to the sort of sustainability background and the PhD that I kind of have in that space. I just wanted to do something completely different. And I wanted to solve a problem then for parents in that space. Many parents listening would know that kids are always asking for sugary treats. And that was what I wanted to solve. Um, sadly, that was launched uh, just as the pandemic hit. Um, so the costs spiraled completely out of control. And I decided to liquidate that last year. Uh, but what I really learned from that experience, I mean, a lot of things, obviously, but one of the things I really learned was uh, that I love entrepreneurship. I love uh, love the excitement, the roller coasteriness of it. Not at all moments, um, but, but uh, in general. And I wanted to do something that would then combine some of my background sustainability with something entrepreneurial. And um, that's what got me to Carbon 13. Um, so somebody, so a mentor of mine in the food industry actually told me about it. Um, uh, and had heard about Carbon 13 from uh, from somebody who actually might be on this podcast as well. I didn't check Frankie Fox. Was she um, one of your speakers? Yeah, yeah, you should talk to her. She's amazing. Um, but yeah, but she she told me about it and it sounded like a great fit. So I joined in September. I met Giddy on the train to Cambridge. So he was the first person I met on the cohort. So before you even went in, you met him. You met yeah, him on the way there. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Him on the way there. And we just really hit it off on like a really deep personal level. We ended up talking about all sorts of things like mental health, therapy, yoga, whatever on the way in. And uh, really had kind of decided to be good friends um, instead of even exploring at that moment about being sort of co-founders. Uh, but we, uh, we kind of bonded over a love of nature and biodiversity. And that's kind of how Nature Bound um, sort of got its uh, got its first idea, because uh, uh, the food industry is the biggest uh, destroyer of biodiversity in the world. But also, really interestingly, it's completely dependent on biodiversity. We need uh, bees to pollinate. We need the soil microbiome to make soils fertile. There's a lot that we need from nature to create food. And how much did the idea evolve? change from those kind of first seeds of, of you and Giddy talking and exploring this problem and and what what sort of solution you could devise to where nature found is today um it's a really good question and it's always one of the things that's really hard is to remember what you kind of knew at different points right like and, and really sort of give value to how much how much your thinking has come along uh but i think really really originally uh what were we at attempting to do even I have to try and try and remember how much it was related to even agriculture just at the beginning um I think I think there's a lot that's evolved sort of in the last let's say four or five months let's put it this way around the business model right of, of how we can commercialize it um we always had the idea that um, nature data is very complex mm -hmm. and we want to find a way to sort of bring sense into that which is kind of the data background that Giddy has as well 
So uh, that was kind of an original idea, but trying to figure out who would pay for that and um, how can we have, you know, how can we make sure that we're actually having the impact um, has been something we've been really working on. Yeah, yeah, okay. And and you said at the moment then the focus is very much on kind of building out that initial demo of the platform, doing some pilots and trials with with farmers, and then that third piece around around the fundraising that you're doing at the moment. What what are you looking forward to? What does the kind of rest of this year and into early next year look like for you? And and if you were to get that fundraising, what what does the what what does that kind of unlock for you? Um, yeah, so very much looking forward to, well, having an MVP out sort of by sort of early next year um, so that we can actually start generating revenues. That's definitely, as the commercial person, <laughs> one of the things really to be looking forward to. Um, if we get that funding, I'd really be looking forward to um, having another member on the team um, and being able to build that out. And that's that's definitely something I think we're both quite excited about and want want the funding for exciting cool well i'll have my fingers crossed for you um and and we talk um often on this podcast about challenges right mm. and, and the kind of the, the the very fact that there's this two pence in every pound um meaning that all kind of inferring i suppose that it is harder in some mm. ways as a female founder or as a woman in business to kind of carve a journey or to be as successful right and so we do touch on some of those challenges some of those discriminations perhaps that, that some women feel they face. But I know when we were preparing for this podcast, one of the things that you'd said is, you know, I, I don't feel I've faced any huge challenges, but actually being a female founder has been a positive experience. So are you kind of happy to share with us a little bit about that journey that you've been on, you know, through your early stages of employment, through your kind of first foray into entrepreneurship and up to now and 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 kind of give us a little bit about, about the kind of positive experience, as I suppose, that you've had as a, as a female entrepreneur? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a funny one. I guess um, part of it is as well, I think, has or a lot of it, I think, has to do with age, um, in my experience, at least. Sort of if I think to sort of the beginning of my career in my early 20s, like I, the answer would be quite different in terms right. of how I viewed, viewed being a woman. I was working in a very sort of engineering heavy industry and, um, you know, being a young woman in my 20s, being the only woman often in the room, there was a lot of sort of unwanted um, attention that would come from that that's not really been the challenge these days anymore but uh but that was definitely sort of that colored sort of my perception of working life um early on uh but um but yeah that was that was sort of in my 20s I'm now well into my 40s and I've got kids and things and kind of why I wanted to say something positive about it was that I find that as women we have a couple of things that make us really great leaders um, that I really value. And one of them is the, sort of the empathy and and also the ability to juggle, which yes. come, I think, both things really get highlighted when when you become a mother as well. And and you're sort of, you've got this natural capability to put others' needs ahead of you and sort of put yourself in somebody else's shoes because you're used to doing that with your children. But also that sort of juggling capability, I think is completely fundamentally important as an entrepreneur. Because you can go from doing one thing to something else, and you're that's that's your whole life is like that when you're a mother. So um, I think I think bringing those things are sort of a real positive thing. That of course you can have those as a man as well, but I think that we as women have have a lot of experience in those spaces. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're completely right. I think that sort of ability to juggle 
definitely mm. is really important when it comes to to life as a founder for sure and yeah yeah I completely agree I don't know if I would have been as competent a founder if I'd done it pre having children I don't know but uh, yeah I think yeah I think you're right um and and talk me through that kind of early part of your career journey then because you did some fascinating things you know even a very long time ago when I wouldn't necessarily have thought that big corporates were paying as much attention to the sustainability in their supply chain as as you know as it seems they would have been um but yeah talk me through those kind of early days of your career through working with all of those corporates and the supply chain work that you did because that's really interesting right um let me try and remind myself about the early <laughs> days of my career so i started my career off in academia which is um sort of i got got a phd in industrial ecology um, industrial engineering, which was really much focused on sort of how companies report on sustainability and, and this type of sort of supply chain dynamic was very core to what I was researching. Um, what I did in those days was very much though selling projects to big corporates um, around sort of circular, circular economy, sort of first elements of that type of legislation were just coming in. And that's why I was was working in that space. And that's what kind of drew me from sort of more pure supply chain management into sustainability. Right. Um, but yeah, it was very much a male dominated space. And I definitely, definitely had a lot of uh, imposter syndrome back mm. in those days, um, just being sort of 25 and <laughs> leading projects and whatever. It's like, I, I, I definitely struggled a lot with that. Um, I did a brief stint in consultancy uh, based on that. It didn't really work out all that well. I got fired <laughs> from from my job, and uh, that was kind of when I went for that long drive through um, Africa as well. Amazing, and and that imposter syndrome thing, because I think that's something a lot of people can relate to, right? Yeah. How did you overcome that? Did you have any kind of coping mechanisms or ways of overcoming it that that you kind of developed or learned over that time or was it just a case of no you just had to live with it and, and get through it and over time it wore off so I think definitely not in that time like I um I burnt out um right. when I was doing doing consulting um so um so I definitely didn't didn't find a solution for it I think it's much much later that I've you know learned how to cope with those feelings and I think it's it's experience that teaches you that sadly so it's not some kind of a magic bullet but it's um you you come to realize at some point that everybody else is just making this up as well <laughs> and and once you once you can grasp that thought the whole imposter syndrome thing starts to disappear I mean it pops up in everybody's life still I mean I don't think anybody's really immune to it um, mm -hmm. like it always comes up every now and then if you're in a space like when joining carbon 13 they're like oh my gosh these people are so you know experienced they've all got all this fascinating experience and then you're like but hang on um so do i and you know <laughs> and none of these people know what they're doing exactly either so um so i think it's a lot of that that realization um yeah. but uh but i'm really passionate about mental health i mean i've just trained to be a yoga instructor so a lot of the coping mechanisms come from that type of sort of philosophy and thinking as well um, yeah. I practice yoga reg regularly and I'm really big into meditation so and I think that practice really teaches me not to cling to negative thoughts mm. and I find that something that's really powerful in being an entrepreneur but also in dealing with things like imposter syndrome because you're you're learning that ability to let go of things yeah. whereas you know you can get attached to the feeling of being an imposter 
yeah yeah and learning that that kind of that balance and self-care and being able to kind of take a break to do something for you and and yeah 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 and I I know that there was a there was a sort of thought on what tips to give to other people then I think definitely one of my top tips would be find something you're passionate about outside of work Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're dedicating time to that as well so that you're getting that absolute switch off which is not just like a Netflix Netflix binge but actually something where you feel like you're you know a human being and you know developing yourself I think is really yeah. important absolutely something nourishing and, and something that takes an element right of of, of kind of focus and, and mental attention more so than a Netflix binge would right because you're having to think about something and you're yeah you're putting those yeah. thoughts somewhere else and not to work yeah yeah, we're just talking about that Netflix binge and and its uses and and kind of because sometimes it does feel just so overwhelmingly appealing to just stare at something for a few hours. <laughs> but I don't I don't feel like my mind is relaxed after that. Like I feel like I'm, you know, vegetating, but it doesn't leave me refreshed at the end in the same way that having something like the yoga teacher training was for me, at least um, during yeah. this year. Well, it's like the junk food of self-care, isn't it? The Netflix binge. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of putting it. Enjoy it in the moment, but you feel a little bit grubby afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the yoga, was that something that you mentioned there, your, your experience of working in consulting and the, and the burnout that, that you experienced as a result of that? Did did the yoga and, and kind of mental health you know, interest come as a result of that? Or is it something that you've, you've always been interested in? Um, possibly. I mean, uh, so, so that burnout was in my late 20s. So that's quite quite a long time ago already. Um, and I've been doing yoga for maybe 10, 15 years. So I didn't kind of start it like right away. Okay. My, my reaction to the burnout was more, I don't want to do this job anymore. I want to do something else. And that's when we went to travel. So I traveled for almost two years. Just yeah, did some tell me about traveling. Work inside. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm so disappointed about that. <laughs> Yeah, so we um, so the really exciting thing that we did was obviously drive through Africa. So we left London um, with a land cruiser, slept on the roof of the land cruiser and drove all the way through eastern Africa to arrive in Cape Town, which is uh, where we moved to with uh, my then partner. Amazing. Uh, that was an incredible, incredible way of seeing Africa, seeing the Middle East. Um, I think often you see a lot of negatives looking at the news in terms of what people are like in these areas and getting firsthand, getting to be able to experience firsthand the hospitality of those places was just the most incredible experience and sort of the humanity that we all share um, definitely changed my perception of the world forever. It's amazing you said that because my first question was going to be, did you feel unsafe? So clearly the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, no, we had, I mean, we had our moments. I mean, we had like, we were camping in Syria in the desert and um, we had, Syrian uh, secret police come to interrogate us one morning and that was definitely a moment of okay <laughs> this, this could go, go pretty badly now uh, but um, but yeah but overall I mean our biggest danger was definitely drinking too much tea at people's homes <laughs> like, <laughs> we had no car problems I had one flat tire and that happened like in a campsite in Uganda so we were quite lucky in that sense yeah. Uh, but, but yeah but like security wise it was like unbelievable how accommodating people are how friendly they are and uh, hospitable amazing and did you do how, how long did it take to do the journey and and roughly kind of what what route did you take um so we drove a route that you can drive um this 
now anymore. So that was in 2009. Uh, we mm -hmm. drove through Syria, which obviously yeah. is uh, not, not an option anymore. So we did Syria, Saudi Arabia. We spent quite a long time in Saudi Arabia, actually, which was incredible. Um, and um, we drove across to Sudan, down Ethiopia, um, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania, Kenya. Um, where did we go through from there? Yeah, we did Namibia as well. I mean, it's just incredible places. Like, and and it's even difficult to say what's your favorite because that's often often the next question because there are just so many, so many, different, so many different. So there's so many different experiences, and and I don't know. Being surrounded by wildlife is is absolutely incredible. But I think the human contact to still is what I what I enjoyed the most. Like the sort of being invited into people's homes, regardless of whether they were living in a mud hut or even some cases in like a palace. Um, but seeing, seeing kind of that was, um, was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that that has kind of inspired or I don't know? Yeah. Your, your kind of experience since in business and how you approach things or, 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 or not necessarily, I suppose it would be hard to tell because you wouldn't know if you hadn't done it. Right. But yeah, yeah. Any lessons that you learned from that in your kind of day-to-day -day life or in your business life at all. I think, I think it kind of teaches you well, open-mindedness definitely. Mm -hmm. And in terms of being able to deal with all sorts of different people, but there's also a certain resilience I think that comes through having done travel like that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah that I think comes through a lot of, you know, dealing with a lot of adversity. I'm also a single mother. So um, having dealt with those types of experiences, I think gives me emotional resilience and entrepreneurship. Absolutely. And how, if you don't mind me asking, how, how do you kind of juggle that? Because that's a whole challenge in and of itself, right? Being a single parent and a founder. I mean, being a single parent and working full stop is a challenge, let alone being a founder and a founder of a very early stage startup where you know there's there's not a lot of contingency but, but beyond yourself and giddy right it's you can't hand the work out to anyone else so how how have you how have you managed that and have you got any kind of tips for for other women in the same situation yeah so I have to say that I'm I'm quite lucky in that sense um that um, my ex-partner is incredibly supportive of of what I'm doing and um he does have the children almost half the time so um, so that's kind of kind of makes it actually easier for me than it would be for somebody who's got children full time, because half the time I don't have children. Um, so half the time I can work long hours and, you know, work in the weekends if needed. And I don't have that pressure all the time of having to juggle the kids. I mean, obviously, that comes with its other negatives of missing them. But like in terms of working, it's actually an easier solution um, to not have your children all the time which is sounds a bit weird, but it, that's kind of how it works out as a bit of silver lining. Yeah, I suppose you get those pockets of complete focus without them, right? Because yeah. I suppose if you have them at home all the time, but their other parent is there with you all the time, you get yeah. little bits, right, where you're juggling between you so you can snatch an hour here, half an yeah. hour there between you. But I suppose, yeah, you you when you're with them, there's, you've got them a hundred percent, but when you don't, yeah. you've also got a hundred percent focus. So it's kind of, you can compartmentalize, I guess, a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different, right? I mean, it's, it just is. Um, but, but yeah, like at the moment, um, they're away with their father for several weeks on holiday. Um, so I'm leading a completely different life. <laughs> like it's leading, you know, some kind of a 20 something, no kids, 
type uh, type life where you have all the time to go to the networking events without having to worry about getting home on time to you know be, be there for bedtime and stuff but yeah when I have them obviously it's very very hands-on but my kids are also a bit older now they're eight and eleven so they're starting to be a little bit more independent um, so that that the time with the kids is often they can stay home alone for short periods of time and you know things have eased off on that yeah compared yeah. to previous experience of entrepreneurship when they were really young and I was doing the snack business right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I saw mine are seven and three so I'm kind of at that okay. they can't <laughs> alone yet bit yeah <laughs> that's off to you I don't know how you do it <laughs> lots of child care <laughs> um perfect so in 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 terms of the sort of tips and advice section um this is the bit I love and the bit I think gives gives people real value um what I ask people are kind of three three kind of main areas right one kind of network community organization based resource one as a media based resource and then one as a as a role model but on that first point what and you can give me more than one actually (laughs) um so on that first one what networks communities organizations sort of people-based resources would you point people towards to help them on their business journeys or not even as a founder as a just generally in their professional life yeah so if it's sort of related to climate um then uh, the London Climate Connection, I think, is great in terms of monthly meetups for people who want to get into the space of climate or are already working on climate. Um, it's quite a, quite a mixed group of people, but it's, um, I think, a really, really great initiative. And they have a wonderful newsletter that has all sorts of other events that are happening as well. Um, so that's definitely one to subscribe to. Um, Impact Hustlers, I've only only discovered recently but I went to one of their meetups and that was also a really really fabulous way of getting to know more founders in the space um, in terms of women's things there's a female founders rise um, which is a really great sort of um, I'm, I've only joined it quite recently but it seems like there's a lot of good quality stuff being shared there and events being organized uh, but those are probably my top three for that I've not heard of female founders rise I'll take a look at oh, that yeah, have a look definitely at that. Yeah, I yeah. will. Definitely second the first two. I've not managed to make it to any Impact Hustlers events yet, but I'm um, I'm aware they've got um, a conference happening in October. Is it October or November? What is it a conference? Okay. Yeah. I'm quite new to, new to that, but I went to uh, one of their meetups and it was really, really lovely. Oh, there we go. So yeah, Impact Hustlers, climate, London Climate Connection um, yeah. and Female Founders Rise. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Amazing. Perfect. And what about the media-based resources? So books, podcasts, anything like that that, that you recommend? Um, so my favourite podcast is um, Outrage and Optimism. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. I mean, you're in for a treat. It's it's absolutely lovely. So it's by uh, Christiana Figueres, Tom Ribbett Karnak and um, Paul Dickinson. I used to work with uh, two of them at the Carbon Disclosure Project, which is a not-for-profit um, here in London and um, it's it's just amazing I mean it's um, it's an amazing discussion of everything that's happening kind of in the climate space and they often have really interesting interviews um, yeah it's, it's sort of my favorite podcast in the space amazing and it's an ongoing sort of weekly thing is it uh, yeah yeah I think yeah it is weekly yeah yeah amazing so what was it called outraged and outrage and optimism so the idea is that every guest that comes on says something that they're outraged by by and something that they're optimistic about and related to sort of 
climate. Amazing. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll definitely give that one yeah. a listen. Perfect. And what about a business role model that you would suggest people follow? And it can be somebody that's in the climate space, could be somebody not. But yeah, who who do you look up to, aspire to? Um, so I don't really have any sort of like leaders of businesses like that I look up to, but I do have, um, and this is quite niche actually, but related to kind of the sort of supply chain management space, there's a company called um, Relex, which is it's a unicorn in its own way, but like one that sort of optimizes supply chain management, which used to kind of be my background way back when, and people, again, I used to work with. Uh, But they've really made it big. And one of their sort of cornerstones has always been how they treat their staff. And just like um, they have that in all of their communication. It's just always this sort of flexible working and taking that to really the max. And there's something about that that I find really great. They have this their philosophy is just about how it's just about this, this philosophy about kindness um, in general to customers and fun. And um, that's one of the ones that I probably follow the most closely um, to be inspired. Oh, I love but that. So, you know, you're the first person that hasn't given me a person, but has given me a business and a, you know, a, a way of operating that they. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the whole leadership team, but I, I know them from when I was working on my PhD. Uh, but they've really made it big. They're a global company. They're multiple times a unicorn by now. Um, but um, but I, lo- I love following their posts because uh, of the way that they approach, you know, approach building community um, and building building sort of their work workplace. Yeah. And like you said, to, to have gone and had that huge success, but actually to have managed to maintain that kind of people centric culture is not always easy to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I know I know that they've been like that from day one as well. That it's not like something they decided to add on after they all worked themselves to death. Um, I know from having worked with them personally for several years uh, that they always they were always people who left the office at four or five and went to do their hobbies and sports and you know cared about their families and and stuff. And yet they've managed to build a really successful business. So that's something that Giddy and I both are really passionate about, as well as that work life balance and mental health of. A future organization yeah and i think that's really important to have our kind of role models in business that people can look up to that have been successful but whilst maintaining an element of balance yeah. and yeah. yeah yeah i think that's so important because we see so much of that hustle culture and you've got to grind to make it big and to actually see examples of people that have been able to do it without a hundred percent yeah so important oh well, i'll yeah. go and check them out perfect Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Marianne. I've really enjoyed hearing about that journey that you've been on, hearing about what you're doing with Naturebound. Um, and I thank you in definitely for, for, for those resources, which we will share with everybody in the comments. Um, so thank you so much for that. Brilliant. My pleasure. My pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, Mariana, I wish you the best of luck uh, with whatever the next few months brings for you and with the fundraising efforts at Naturebound. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Um, We've got another few episodes coming at you. So we've got about four, I think, four more episodes in the series over the course of the next three weeks. Um, So do tune in and join us. Um, And thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show.